And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of High and Wide Full Circle. This is the show where myself, Jack Smith, and my good friend, Steve Ferrari, we discuss all the ins and outs of our very own Metropolitan Division. That's right. This is now the official home of the Metro Report, as well as some deep dives, good discussions on all the trade signings, uh, moving and shaking, hires and firings, and whatever else floats our boat. Quite frankly, we'll talk about whatever grinds our gears with a heavy emphasis on the Metropolitan Division. And with that, Steve... It's been about it's been a while and yeah. a lot of, a lot has happened. So without giving away too much, obviously the Flyers are playing the Islanders and that's a good metro discussion right there. So I'll start with that um but we'll also talk more about the Islanders and the Capitals and I'll tell you right away my pick and I was not confident in any way and I nailed the first round. This was my only series I got wrong. I had the Capitals in 6. Um the Islanders as I Stole this term, but I like it. They uh, gentlemanly swept the Capitals. That's uh, they went up three zero. You know, Ovechkin essentially got that four uh, game uh, four win himself. He like willed them, um, and then they eventually finished them off in Game Five. Uh, the Islanders looking really good. Barry Trotz continues to be their MVP in my opinion. Uh, but not, not to sell some guys short. During the regular season, uh, their goal, leading goal scorer was actually Brock Nelson with 26 goals. I was surprised to see that. What I was not surprised to see is their assist and points leader was Matthew Barzell. 41 assists, 60 points. Uh, and then when we get into the playoffs, I was, again, a little bit more surprised. Uh, their goal leader is Bellevere. Is that how you Bavillier, I was way off. <laughs> I'm so American sometimes. Uh, and then the assist is uh, Bailey has the assist and the points at 9 and 11. And um, seven for goals, if I had not said that before. So I wanted to ask you, Steve, I was clearly wrong. Uh, I do know how good the Islanders are. It's just I, I feel like I keep waiting for them to fall off the tracks, and it's like it's not happening. This is who they are. They're just a really good structured team. They swapped out their starting goalies last year, uh, Robin Leonard, this year, uh, Varlamov, and they're still going strong. What did you see in that Islanders-Washington series, and why was Washington just not the, the anything close to the 2018 Stanley Cup team? So first off, um, I thought that Barry Trotz coached an incredible series. Obviously, he's going to know that Caps team inside and out. Um, but saying that, I also expected the Caps to take that series. I was thinking Caps in seven. Um, I, I would have had the thought to think that uh, – Ovechkin and crew would know what Trotz would try to do to them, almost like a little cat and mouse game. You knew you knew Trotz knew them better than anybody, but they should know Trotz as well, what he tries to do. Um, I thought maybe there'd be a game to feel them out, see what the Islanders were going to do. But the, the Capitals, quite frankly, just looked lifeless. Um, I didn't see much from them that was real a real fight. Um, Ovechkin did to have that little scrap, I believe that was game four, the game that they won. Um, he, he, it seemed like he was really the only one that was going that night. And other than that, the, the Caps just looked, they looked old, they looked slow, um, and there wasn't really much going on. Now, obviously, losing Backstrom, that's going to be a huge deal to that, that team. Um, he distributes the puck almost as well as anybody in the NHL. Um, and, and him going down was a big blow. But he's still one player on – a, a a much better team than they should have and then what they showed in that series. Um, the Islanders, they, they played right into the Islanders hands. Like they, they basically did everything the Islanders wanted them to do. And they just couldn't get out of that vice grip. That is the, the, the four check that they play and that, that style of game. So it was disappointing. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to the Islanders. Um, while they're still boring and I still don't enjoy watching them play. They, they played a hell of a series to take out the caps in, in your uh, your term, gentleman sweep. Yeah, it's just when you look at some of these Capitals players, and I know Backstrom was hurt, but you still have Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, uh, Oshie, um, not, not to mention Tom Carlson. Wilson. Yeah, Carlson, Carlson Wilson. Did uh, it, it just? It, there's more guys, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. And when you compare goaltending, like I'm picking Holpe before I pick Varlamov, and that's that's defensive structure aside. That's mm -hmm. just pure skill and it's like the, the coaching really 
really made this series what it was. And it's really got a sting if you're a Capitals fan when it's your old Stanley Cup winning coach who you felt was not important enough to retain. I know uh, relations had soured. Uh, usually those <laughs> when you start winning, that kind of solves everything, but not in Washington. And yeah, as um, we you alluded to off air, uh, their Capitals fired uh, Reardon. And now they're looking at Laviolette I've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, this will be something we can talk about in a deep dive. I think... Uh, uh, what's his name was brought up too from Toronto. He was just like, Oh, oh Babcock. Yep. Babcock, even Bruce Boudreau, their old coach I saw was in the mix. Um, it, that was kind of funny to see, but uh, I guess they're going to, I could see a knee jerk reaction where they just hire the biggest profile name. I hope it's not Laviolette because I like Laviolette and I hate to have Man. him be Man. in the, in the division. I can see Babcock though, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was surprised by this series, but having seen the Islanders play the flyers, I'm not surprised. Right. Um, now, now it makes a lot more sense the way they dis dismantled the Capitals in five. And one thing that you said was you thought maybe you take a game before they, you know, or, or two, feel each other out and figure things out. And, you know, we saw them play Washington. We played Montreal, who's very much like the Islanders. Yep. So when we came out and lost four nothing in that first game, I, it was very concerning. If you heard me on our, uh, our regular podcast, I all the confidence was almost gone out of me. Like I was like, <laughs> I went from picking flyers and seven to like Islanders and five, and now I'm very reactionary and I don't like mean it, but like I definitely didn't feel good about it. And this is why. And it was good to see the Flyers get that you know three goal outburst, but they didn't look very good the rest of the game. And the Islanders did what they did to them in the regular season and came back. To be honest. Felipe Myers' goal wasn't even that impressive. It was very lucky. He had deflected off of uh, Andres Lee's stick and kind of bounced funny. And, I'll, uh, yay, listen, it's the playoffs. I'll take it. Um, but I cannot say that I have all the confidence in the world, and we're shooting uh, this episode here about an hour before Game 3 starts. And, um, yeah, I, I wrote this uh, segment as uh, New York Islanders' dominance. They've arrived. I mean, they arrived last year. It's just I think there's more believers now. And I'm definitely one of them, and I hate playing this team now. Like you said, it's boring. And on top of that, it's I don't feel that confident. Um, Outside of Barzell and Bavillier, they're not really that great of a team. And Bavillier is really just kind of coming into his own right now. Like Anders Lee is the captain, and he's he's a really solid player. But if you, if you go lineup by lineup of the teams left in the playoffs, I don't think they're stacking up with any of the teams that are remaining. Um, it's that it's that system that Trotz puts in place, and he gets a goalie that you don't have to be the best goalie in the world. Let, let's be honest, Simeon Varlamov is not a, a world beater. He's not going to be mentioned as the top goalies in the history of the NHL anytime soon. But for that system, man, he he does exactly what he needs to do. They they don't get a lot of shots on goal. They get traffic in front, and they, really they stifle the other team and make them make them shoot from the outside. You're never really giving up odd man rushes, so. That system just just makes players, goalies especially, look a lot better than they probably are. And they block a lot of shots too, and we really saw that with um, Andy Green. Looked yeah. really good in Game One. He, he looked I, really I, old. Yeah, yeah, he had that. He had that. I think he had that first goal. He did, yeah. And then he had a really nice block. With, I think it was a two on one, or we had somebody in front, and he just kind of stretched his back leg out and blocked. Yeah, I don't know how he did that. Like you said, for how old he is, it was like, come on, man. He's not even blocking shots at that point. That was a pass. I mean, and he it's very frustrating. And I want to ask you a question years. real quick about the um, the Flyers-Islander series. Okay. After watching game one, and I honestly – do you put Ghost back in this series at all? You know, the funny thing is I didn't think Ghost played that poorly. I thought the team as a whole – looked lifeless and asleep but for whatever reason and i i can't put my finger on it when ghost is in the lineup there's just something different about the team i don't know if it's him or if it just so happens to be when he's in the lineup they have these games but it, it, the, the the team just doesn't look the same like hag and Braun, they were like they get hemmed in their own zone but for whatever reason when they're in the lineup the team just seems to to function at a different level. Um, I don't know if maybe it's Ghost playing on that third pairing, and it just never it doesn't seem to have much in the way of chemistry. Um, but it, at this point, I'm riding this lineup until until it loses or it looks like it's that that four nothing game again, and then I might shake something up. But 
I think AV has a good pulse on the team, and I, and I like what he does where if you, if you do come out and you win a game, he's not trying to tinker too much and overthink things. Whether or not Braun and Hag played well, um, I, I think we're going to see them for the rest of the series, barring another uh, another blowout. I think so, too. And a lot of it is, like, Ghost does his thing. He always turns over the puck. Even in his best games, he turns over the puck. So I'm not... Unless he does it in his own zone, I get a little aggravated. But when he's trying to do his thing, I, I don't. But the thing with this team is they are—they just are so on top of you, and they just smother you and give you no room to operate. A guy like and he can, and Ghost can't dig the puck out. He can't do board battles. I just don't see a spot for him in this series. It's unless you're absolutely going all out with the offense, and I, I don't see something like that happening until this team is like, you know, about to be eliminated. And yeah, they're just. I- I tend to agree with you. Yeah, uh, and it's, the, it's, the, it just seems like the Islanders' style of play is everything he's not. And for whatever reason, he his like he, he just doesn't click with this team when, when you're playing against a, a high-checking team. I think he'd look much better against the Tampa Bay, um, even though they're a big, heavy team. But I think his skill would show up in that series as opposed to what the Islanders are trying to do to the Flyers, uh, both offensively and defensively. So, unfortunately, like I said, I didn't think he played terribly in game one. I don't think anybody played well. Um, But I think for the sake of this lineup, um, he probably takes a seat for the rest of the uh, this series at the very least. And this is one time where I could say that, and it's not like – I, I look him in the eye and be like, yeah, you suck. You need to sit. It's just, you're just not built to play a team like this possession. Yeah, exactly. It's just too important. And he's just, well, he can't get possession. He's not going to win any board battles. Like we said, and he's going to turn over the puck when he's doing his thing. Unfortunately, um, he took the most shots in game one. Most of them were blocked. One time he was open, his stick like exploded on him. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's unfortunate because I really don't think he was the, like, when we hate on Ghost, I didn't see that Ghost in game one. I didn't Agreed. see that. Agreed. I mean, it was definitely wasn't the Ghost of the 65-point season one either, but that's, I think it's more of a compliment to the Islanders than it is a detriment to the Flyers. And it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I'm glad we got a guy like Hag who can come in and we'll just figure it out from there. And, you know... They won game one, two. I, I can't hate on them. They won the game, and as not as ugly as it, as pretty as the first period was, ugly as the rest of the game was, series is tied. Exactly. And I think our two best players in this series so far have been Carter Hart and Kevin Hayes. And if anybody else wants to jump on that bandwagon, I'm looking at you, G, and <laughs> um, also TK. Because uh, yep. Coots finally got going. Um, you know, that could really open things up. So we'll see what happens there. I don't want to dwell too much on this series uh, or the previous series, and we'll get into some deep dives on the Metropolitan teams and their futures coming for, uh, in the near future. Um, so uh, I want to get into the, uh, just real quick, the Carolina-Boston series. Um, even I didn't think it would be 4-1. to one. I, I did think um, when I picked Boston, I felt like a minority. Yeah, I'm happy I was right, but to be honest... I thought this would be a closer series. And you got to remember, Boston didn't have Rask. This has been Halak. And um, you were big on Carolina, so I want to ask you, uh, basically Carolina, they lost game one in a double overtime. Uh, it was a back-to-back game two, and they won that game three to two. They then would lose the next three games, all close games. Uh, some notables for Carolina. Aho, he's a stud. He's an absolute star. Uh, he played eight games. He actually only had three goals, but he had nine assists, 12 total points. So he's well over a point per game. Uh, um six games, four, point, four goals, three assists, seven points over a point per game, barely, but nevertheless. Uh, and some of the bad, they traded for Sammy Vatnin, who I, you, fantasy-wise, I liked. Um, seven games, no goals, three measly assists for three measly points. Uh, Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton, five games, one goal, one assist, two points. Now, these next two are pretty rough. Uh, they're One of their acquisitions, the free agent acquisitions, the uh, Zingle, who if you're a big uh, Tortorella guy, you want him to win Coach of the Year, this is one of the guys that they quote-unquote lost, and uh, you know it's, it's detrimental to them. Uh, four games and just zero goals, zero assists. Oh, but good. more importantly, Jordan Stahl, eight games. 
zero goals, zero assists. Oh, boy. I mean, that's your... I know he's like their Couturier, essentially. I know he's not nearly as good, but he was their guy. Like, he was supposed to be when they traded for him. I know he's getting older, but come on, nothing? And this includes the round robin. This isn't just the... Or not the round robin. They played at the... The uh, qualifying Rangers. round. Yeah, yep. the qualifying round when they beat the, they swept the Rangers. Um that includes that as well. And nothing, no, not even in a measly assist. But I will say some of the good, uh, kind of good, Morazic, five games, a record of two and three. Uh, his goals against average was 2.08 for a save percentage of nine, uh, 0.929, which isn't really that bad. Uh, and Reimer, three games, he went 2-1. His goals against average was 2.36. And his uh, save percentage was nine or point nine three four. I mean, those numbers really aren't that bad considering the playoffs. I know they got a lot on defense, but you know, these stats are not what I expected. I expected more out of guys like Stahl, Dzingel, Hamilton, and even Vatnin, Semeshnikov, and Aho. They did what I expected. I actually expected Morazic and Reimer to be the guys who really pulled this team down, and it doesn't seem to be the case. What did you see in this Carolina-Boston series that made it so lopsided? So I really – I was on Carolina. I love the way they look against the Rangers. Um, I think they I think they still have a overall incredibly solid team for this year and for a few years into the future. Um, I got to hand it to Boston. Uh, they came out uh, – Rask opted out after game one, I believe, uh, maybe after game two. Um, but I kind of thought, all right, that's that that's probably what's going to be the nail in the coffin for the Bruins. Look, I like Halak, but he's I don't know if I trust him over a full series anymore. Um, Carolina just everything they did right in the first round against the Rangers, they seem to do wrong against the Bruins. Now Bruins are a totally different animal than the Rangers, but still, um, they were they just were, they looked like a totally different team. Um, Sveshikov got hurt in that game. I believe it was game three. And really that, that changes that lineup a lot. Um, I'm not ready to put him on the Ajo tier, but he's pretty close for, for a young guy. Um, he makes that lineup go. And really, I believe they were split up for most of the, the playoffs so far. And you, that means you got two lines that are driving play almost every single shift. And you lose that, and guys start slotting in differently, and it really changes a, a top six a lot. And then you're disrupting your bottom six as well. But um, I, I, I don't know. It, lo- it looked like for everything Rod did right in the first round, he didn't seem to have a pulse on the the Canes in the second. Um, in the third period of Game Four, they gave up four goals in a seven seven minute span. Um, you can't expect to win any series when you're when you're going like that. Um, I mean, I'm going to eat some crow on this one because, like, as I had said before, um, I, I would have picked Carolina probably go to Cup with better goalie play or with better, more talented goalies. But it was actually their forwards and their defense that let them down. And like you said, uh, Morazic and uh, Reimer actually held it together. Now that dam was probably going to break at some point, but um, they they weren't the reason they lost. So I'll eat some crow on that one. Um, but I think we're going to see Carolina come out next year and uh, look just as strong as they did in that first round in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I made the prediction, um, I was definitely in the minority. And I think people saw how poorly Boston played in the round robin and then Rask uh, opts out. And I think they I was hoping they would come alive and they kind of did. But I think if that game one double overtime goes the other way and Carolina still wins game two. I think the series might've been a little bit different. Um, totally different. Yep. Yeah. So it, it, that's what I like about the playoffs so much. And especially overtime, that's oh. how important it is. And I, I, to be honest, the flyers getting that win against the Islanders for the Islanders to come all the way back the way they did and still lose the game. It's not like the regular season. They didn't get a point or anything. Like it, they, they, just, it. they still lost, you know. And I think I'm hoping, especially with the layoff, um, that the Flyers can come back and just, you know, like this is the time to turn it up, you know, hit full throttle, you know, and not to get off topic there. But yeah, Carolina, I, that series could have went game one. It goes a different way. I think the series goes another way. Um, and of course, the uh, Smeshikov injury doesn't help. Yeah, that that was that really took them out of sorts after that. You could tell right. they they were they were hurting for another another score like him. 
And this was a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. Am I correct? It was, yeah. And I believe Boston swept them. So they did manage one win against them, but do you okay, think that one. Boston's in their – no, no, this year, I mean, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, okay. So, like, in two years, they're 8-1 and one in the playoffs against Boston. you think that got into their head at all? You know, it's – that's hard to say. I never know year to year how those things really carry over. Um, but at some point, maybe after game one, you're not thinking about it. Game two, you're not thinking about it. But then game three – you lose, maybe that creeps in a little bit. And then game four, when they go on and score those four goals real quick, I think that is probably when it comes into play. And you kind of feel like that maybe that hill you're trying to climb over just became a mountain. And then you could see in game five, it just it just wasn't going to happen for them. So maybe that does play into it. But it's hard to say with the psyche of a, of a locker room. Early on, probably not. But you know how, how that doubt creeps in. and. Maybe maybe that uh, goat went a little bit further into their demise. It just, it seems like there was a few plays and definitely the injury as well. But this series could have been a lot closer and probably should have been. But them's the breaks, I guess. Exactly. Um, uh, Carolina's a team I look forward to doing a deep dive into because they have so many different pieces i really like aho i really do um, and smeshikov as you've alluded to is like those two but their ownership is so cheap like you hey, saw they what pay, they had to do to get they, Aho. Did rods, uh, they did pay rods uh fine so maybe it's a little getting a little bit better maybe maybe well, you know i mean he's a better coach than i think anybody's expected yeah 100 percent and you know they did some shady looking things and they they're always moving pieces you know, they traded for Brady Shea. For, he, I haven't even brought him up. I didn't think I, he really was a big difference maker or anything. But, you know, they made it. They, uh, they, Who did they add from uh, Trocheck? They had a Trocheck, yeah, right? Trocheck, yeah. Like, you know, they, they really went for it. And in the offseason, if you go back to last year, I really think they added like five players or something. Like, I know they added um, – oh, gosh, what's the page? Uh, I alluded to it earlier, Dezingle. Ryan Dezingle, yeah. And at, at, at like – the very end of the off season, they had a Jake Gardner. Yeah. Excuse me. I think they made a, tra- a trade in somewhere, and they're just always moving pieces. And the Aho thing was a big deal. Like, just sign your player. They had to go the route of Montreal signing him to a uh, uh, offer sheet, an offer sheet, and then matching it. It was kind of like it almost felt like they were all in on it. You know, everybody but Aho was in on it. Yeah, it was almost like they, they were like, all right, you go find a deal, and they were going to match it no matter what. And quite yeah, frankly, I think so it's a sweet. it's a great deal. Yeah, and it, it was very odd, and whatever. Maybe they're, sm- maybe they're smarter than I think, but it came off cheap to a lot of people. Agreed, but, yep. But, you know, I mean, we'll see, because they've been pretty good. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They made the Rangers, who I think a lot of people had the Rangers win in that series, uh, they made them look silly to the point where people had them beating Boston and maybe even advancing to the next round. And, you know, the series was close. Like, the, each game was close. If four to one doesn't look very pretty, but those games were close. They had a significant injury, and they're still young. They got, I don't know, who's their oldest player at this point? Jordan Stahl, Justin Williams, who only played half the season? Like, yeah, if that, much. like, I mean, they got a young team. And if they can, the only thing that gets me is, and you alluded to this, like, why didn't they go after goaltending? Like that's the one like, they should have been the team that traded for Robin Leonard, if you ask me. Yep. But I guess you're trading within your divisions. Maybe that has something to do with it. Stay. I don't know. Yep. But we'll see what happens. We'll get to that when we get to it. So speaking of deep dives, though, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. We did talk about it a little bit before the draft lottery happens. And yeah, of course, the New York Rangers, another Metro team, they are awarded the first overall pick because that just seems to be the theme of the last, what, five years? Um, And yeah, they get the number one overall pick. Lafreniere, who's being touted as quite a a prospect. I'd say he's probably better. Well, they think he'll be better than what they were saying about Jack Hughes, but I wouldn't go as far as a guy like Eichel, obviously not McDavid or Matthews. I I would put him... I don't even know if I want to say a tier above the hype around Hughes. It sounds a little silly now seeing how bad his rookie season, I don't want to say bad, but just not what we expected out of his rookie season. But the hype was there. If you remember last year coming up to the draft, 
And Lafreniere seems to be getting a little bit more hype than that. Uh, well, first question I'm going to ask you before I get into the Rangers. Uh, apparently they were offered, or maybe a fan came up with this. I can't remember. I doubt they were offered it. But if, if the Ottawa Senators offered, I think they have the third and the fifth pick mm-hmm. for that first overall pick. If you're the Rangers, do you do that deal? I'm going to say no. I think that's a lot of draft capital give capital to give up. But based on where I think the Rangers are and what they have going for them as far as contracts go, players, young, old, uh, I don't think I would make that trade. I like a couple of those guys around that top five. But if, if I'm a Rangers fan, uh, there's no way I would want my team to pass on a guy like Lafreniere. I was actually um, surprised um, when the reaction I seen on Twitter. Some people said yes, and I was like, I get that this draft is being compared to 2015. Yep. And I'm I'm kind of like, and I'll bring this up again when we talk about the Penguins and their dirt trade. Uh, 2015, the Boston Bruins had three first round picks, and the only thing they got out of that was DeBrusque. And compared to who came out in that year. Uh, I'm going to take the sure thing. And Lafreniere is as closest to a sure thing as there could be. And he also has that next level tier that I don't think anybody else in this draft has. Exactly. Unless one of these guys has like a Pedersen kind of like as much as I love Provorov, he's not at that like Lidstrom level. You know, he might never get to it where that same 2015 draft, the first overall pick was Connor McDavid. Am I correct? Uh, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, and then Jack Eichel, like there's a big difference between those players and those who follow. And yes, two of those players are great. I'd rather have the absolute stud. And sure. You're, could you're they miss? About, so, to, so to me, you're talking about getting, let's just say three and five hit and they're solid long-term NHL players. You're not getting the upside of Lafreniere. Uh, with any of those players. Look, Lafreniere might be a bust. It's happened. We've seen it happen countless times. But him compared to the other players, I think he's on a tier of his own. And then it's everybody else after him as far as immediate, uh, midterm, and long-term potential of what he can be versus the field. So I'd think about the offer if someone gave that to me. But at the end of the day, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to take my... Uh, more or less sure thing and and go to the bank with that. Well, to piggyback off of that, and I'm going to break down uh, some of the Rangers uh, players as well as their restricted free agents, their prospect pool, and their picks. And it one of the arguments to doing that trade I saw, I saw was to address multiple issues. And the reason I don't think they really need to do that, uh, there is one thing I do think they need, but we'll get to that. So if we break down the guys they still have under contract, uh, last year, as you see, they signed Panarin to a seven-year deal. So they still have him to for six more years. He had an MVP caliber season. He could win. I don't think he will, but he could win the MVP. And if he did, I wouldn't argue it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked. He was that good. Zabitajad has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, they just had the number two overall pick in Kako. And we'll see what happens with that. I don't think he had a very good rookie season, but you know everybody's different. And he's... With a lot of good players, they decided to re-sign Kreider. They have him for seven more years. Uh, Chidel, I think, is a pretty decent player. They have him for another year before they have to re-sign him, but even then, it's a restricted free agent deal. He's come up a little bit faster than I think they intended. Busnevich is another guy. I think he's pretty decent. Howden, uh, Ga- Ga- uh, Gautier, excuse me. Yeah, I got it. See, I almost said Gaithier. I, nice. uh, I think that was a 2016 draft pick. I swear he was in the Roofstall draft. I, that yeah, just I believe, looks, uh, yeah, I think that looks familiar to me. Uh, and then on defense, they signed Truba or traded for Truba and signed him. 60 more years of him. Mark Stahl's at one. I'm sure he'll be gone. Lidgren and Brendan Smith, one year deals apiece. I, I, Brendan Smith is gone. I don't know about Lidgren. Fox is got two years left, and they'll definitely resign him. Lundqvist is most likely traded this year, or they'll play him out and see what happens. I doubt they buy him out. Chaserskin uh, looks like the goalie of the future. So, like guys, they still have under contract right now. That's not bad, and the team seems to go on a couple of runs. To add to that, they're they have Jesper Fast as a restricted or unrestricted free agent. Uh, 
I mean, I, he's not vital to the Rangers. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back. I don't know if he's necessarily a part of their future, but he's not a bad player. Uh, as far as our restricted free agents, you got Ryan Strom, Brendan Lemieux, Felipe Giuseppe, D. Giuseppe, uh, Alexander Georgiev. I'm I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Uh, they seem to be. I don't know what he's going to ask for. It's, it can't be too much restricted free agency wise. He seems to me. I like him and Shosturkin going forward, but he seems like a tradable piece. He seems like a maybe not next year. But they can definitely flip him for some assets if they really think Shosturkin's the the future and he starts to play like that. And on top of that, their biggest restricted free agent is Anthony D'Angelo. And you talk about them needing some defense. I'm curious to see what he's going to get. But say they re-sign everybody, added to what I just laid out, they got a pretty decent roster. Now if you look at some of their prospects and picks – uh, Krastoff is their probably their highest rated prospect. Some of the guys that I've named already are prospects, but they're with the Rangers, like Shersherskin and uh, Adam Fox. They're considered prospects, but once they they jump to the Rangers, already said them. So besides those players, um, Krastoff looks pretty good. He's a right wing. He can play some left wing. Uh, Keandre Miller. He's a guy I wanted uh, during that draft, and he did not fall to us. Um, or I believe. He actually may have went after us. I think we took, um, oh, God, what's the guy, the college guy? He's been bouncing around the colleges. It was the, um, uh, oh, geez, 2018 draft. Yeah. Jeez, it, it surprised everybody. Uh, I was actually thinking of Ty Smith that the Devils took. That's who I wanted. I think Keandre Miller went afterwards, uh, after we picked this guy we're trying to think of. Um but he's looking like a pretty good defenseman. On top of that, they got Niles Lund Lundqvist. Is there good? <laughs> yeah, Lund Lundqvist. Yeah, um, I think he was a second round pick last year, possibly a f late first. I can't remember, but I don't think they'd be drafting there unless it could have been Winnipeg's pick. Not sure. Either way, these are their top prospects. They got the D there. They got some uh, wings there. On top of that, they have the first overall pick. And they have the 24th overall pick. So they don't really, why are they trading this potential franchise and possibly even generational? I wouldn't go that far, but you know, franchise player for some more shots in the top five, which is good. But when your number one is number one for a reason and you have all these other assets and prospects and picks and you're already building pretty well. No, I'm taking the sure thing for a hundred times out of a hundred. And the only thing this team needs that I don't see is more center depth. You know, like they could really use another center. But like I look at this team and they're young and they got some mixed pieces in there. They're on the right track. And it, not trading the picks and going with something besides Lafreniere, I would, if it's a Flyers fan, I would like breathe a sigh of relief, especially if they traded that with because Ottawa. Like, were we really worried about Ottawa? They're not. They're not in the Metro. They are in the East, but not in the Metro, and they're also yeah. a dumpster fire right now. Um, it really would not surprise me if they wound up being the Quebec Mortar Deeks and moved to the West. But that's so, neither here nor there. So the so, funny anyway, thing, the ahead. funny thing about that trade is uh, for the Rangers, with everything you laid out and how they're set up for the next. For the future, um, with the the prospects they have coming, the goalie in place, um, you've got guys signed to long term deals that they, they don't look bad. Um, there's no reason to really separate that one giant asset into two lesser ones with what they have. Like three and five, yeah, they'd be awesome. But why sacrifice the sure thing for those two guys? If I was a team like Ottawa or New Jersey, who's in like really just a just a weird spot. Like you don't really have a ton going for you. Um, I'd, I'd move one and, and think about taking those two guys because then you, you can add two solid forwards to your team or to a forward and defenseman where you can start to build around those guys. Like having one player is great, um, but it, it makes it a little bit tougher to build a team, especially when you're a market where free agents may decline going to barring getting offered a, a ton of money. Um, I, I think it's. I think it would be foolish for the Rangers to make that deal and pass on Lafreniere when 
like you said, center is the the one spot they're probably the weakest at, and he can step right in and he could potentially be their second line center playing between uh, Kako and um, Strom next year. And you got a pretty good one-two punch uh, with uh, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kreider, and then maybe even Bugnevich, Strom, um, Kako, Lafreniere, that kind of second line. That, that doesn't look too bad because then everybody else down the lineup starts to slot in a little bit better. And that's they're, they're set up in a good spot. So you touched on Georgiev and what they might do with him. I think the perfect thing they could do is sign him to a relatively team-friendly deal and trade him as quickly as they possibly can. And here's why. You're not going to – I don't think you're going to trade Lundqvist. If the market is there to trade him, by all means, he's the guy you deal. But you're not going to have three goalies on NHL contracts. Um, You don't really want Georgiev or Shosturkin playing in the minors. They've both proven that they're solid – um, likely top-tier starting NHL goaltenders. Um, Lundqvist carries an $8.5 million cap hit, but Georgiev and Shosturkin, if you hold on to both of them, one of them is probably going to get taken in the Seattle expansion draft. Um, I would prefer to trade him now and get some assets back for Georgiev, especially given the salary he's probably going to be making. Um, and that's where you could even try and target a third-line center with a little bit of upside. Um, that could play second if Lafreniere is not quite ready to step into that role. Um, but I got to be honest, I think the Rangers are set up incredibly well, not to mention 13 and a half in cap space. Um, they're, they're looking like a team that's going to challenge for the Metro crown um, very shortly uh, for a long time. Yeah, they have the uh, lethal combination of being handed the number two overall pick last year, the number one overall pick this year, and being a premier city with a lot of money. Bingo. And, um, yeah, Truba and Panarin were massive for them. Shashirskin, if he's the real deal, that's massive on top of Zabitajad. Literally, like, will it, I swear, if this there was war in hockey, he'd be like a six-war, you know? <laughs> and that's with 82 games, not 162. Right, yeah. He just, the five-goal game he had, and when he won it in overtime, like, that's just crazy. Uh, and if... Lafreniere can get on a line with Kako, whether it's a center or a wing. Some guys are so talented they could do anything. Um, and it brings Kako out of his like shell. That's even more beneficial to the Rangers. And it sucks because it's like well, it was our time while they were like, you know, pushing for the cup and doing their thing. And so for them to build, break it down and build it back up so quickly, it's like, Jesus, like we just got here. <laughs> uh, mention, have- they traded uh, Brady Shea during the season and they've got a, a second first round pick on top of that uh, yeah. number one overall. It uh, looks like it's going to be the 24th overall. Yep. And that's what, all the more reason why I don't think they need to trade for the third and the five. A lot of people are like, well, those are higher picks than the 24th. Yeah, but um, – there's a lot of players who've been taken. Uh, I believe Giroux was taken around 22, 24-ish, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good too. You know, like guys in the first round, if you do your research and believe, and you know, you can you can still get a guy. You don't need to give up a potential franchise uh, winger or whatever you need him to be to get two more picks, hoping they pan out. Because as yeah, I know guys all over the board are hit or miss depending on the draft year and the player. But if you got two first round picks already, you're gonna you want the best guy in the draft, and this is being considered one of the best drafts since 2015, which has been a phenomenal draft. You're telling, and the, the guy who went in the top pick of that draft was Connor McDavid, and you don't want the top player of this draft. That's a little odd. And on top of that, it's not like you don't have another pick to play with. You do, you know. And to just real quick, they have the first, the 24th. They have no seconds. They have two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and three seventh. I mean, it sucks not having any seconds, but I'd rather have two firsts and zero seconds than, you know, one and one. Um, they're going to do something with that pick, whether they trade it, which they probably won't. They're going to have plenty of prospects. They already have prospects. You got to get, when you have this many prospects on this team and guys are already coming up and filling your lineup and you spent some money, um, and you're about to hopefully clear out some money. Uh, two big issues for them this off, uh, this next season Lundquist making what, 10 million, I believe. Eight uh, Eight, oh, I'm sorry, it's not that bad. Eight, so he's eight and a half. 
But, I mean, what he's giving you this year, you're starting him because of what he's making and what he's been to this franchise. You're not starting him based on skill, and we saw that. Um, and then Shattenkirk's, his buyout, he's going to make $6.1 million this year. Yikes. And then he's still got two more years at one4 Girardi's going to make 1.1 this year, and then Spooner's got 300,000. After that's much, so that's a lot of dead money there. That is seven point five, seven and a half million dollars in dead money next year. So if they can just weather the storm and get through next year, do whatever with uh, Lundquist, they're going to have to bite the bullet because they're not going to do much. Um, you know, take Lafreniere, let him grow, and then restock your cupboard with a guy at 24. It doesn't really matter what position. If the center's there, that makes sense, but. They can figure it out. They're going to lose a lot of guys uh, on defense. They're probably looking to get rid of like Saul and Brendan Smith, and they're going to, you know, Fox is going to get significantly more playing time. Hopefully, I would think they would re-sign D'Angelo, figure something out. He is a restricted free agent, so it's not like he has a ton of options. Um, and other guys are just restricted. I don't see them dipping in the free agency too much, especially this year. Maybe next year if they got to keep some money available. But the future's bright, and it's uh, it's a little concerning. Uh, I do like the their assistant GM is Chris Jury, as we remember him from uh, the Avalanche and oh, yeah. a little closer to home, the Rangers, obviously. He's got a way to talking to college free agents. If you remember, he talked both Kevin Hayes and Jimmy Vesey into oh, coming to the Rangers. You know, and uh, I mean, they, you know, it is what it is with their careers. Obviously, we like Hayes and Vesey kind of fiddled out, but um, he got them to go there. So they definitely have some power with the money with the city and with the guys running the show and i'm just a little worried I, I, honestly if shashurskin is just not as good as advertised that could change things but things every, are- he looked every he looked every bit as good as advertised in his short stint but yeah that if he comes in and he looks to be a little bit shaky in the next year or year or two that definitely changes a lot but they're they're set up nicely i yeah as much as I hate to admit it, they are set up very nicely. And this is like we discussed when we talked about the, the draft lottery coming up. Uh, the Rangers were, I think we were all worried about the Penguins. And I remember saying to you, uh, you know, if the Rangers get this pick, this could be bad. And well, uh-huh. guess what? And they yeah, ain't trading the pick. I'm telling you right now, that that's a no dumb, chance. Is everybody make, oh, they should? That's BS. First off, they shouldn't. And secondly, they're not. And you're going to see this team is going to be, unless these guys are massive, you know, um, what the hell is the word we use all the time? Bust. Bust. Yeah, I can't think of bust. Um, <laughs> massive bust. I don't. I don't see them being bad. They were pretty Neither good with I. a lot less. They're going to get rid of some dead weight. They're going to start bringing up guys who actually know how to play. We'll see what happens with Lemieux. I know he's a he ruffles some feathers, but he might be. He's, in he's the a, David Wilson. He's a, he's a yeah. guy you need on a team, though. Like a player like him. Yeah, he's a. From every other fan base, you hate him, and he—he's that guy. It's like, well, what is he doing out there? But like, those are the guys that make a difference, especially in the playoffs. Like, I think if he suspended the first two games, they get swept. Is he going to make a difference? Maybe, maybe not. But maybe he gets some under someone's skin. They take a bad penalty, they score a goal, and it changes the game. They're—they're they're the type of guys that NHL teams need if they want to win a championship. They're—they're uh, they're not the most skilled players in the world. Um, but they are kind of that that glue, or the it, it's what get gets everything going and, and kind of keeps the locker room together. I think. Yeah, I mean, you, when you have them on your team, you always appreciate it. And as you said, as a fan, you appreciate it. You just hate him if you're not. Tom Wilson comes to mind. This kind of style of player, and you saw what he did that year. He kind of laid it out. You know, suspended a couple of games, but he leaves an impact that very same year. That's exactly what happened to Tom Wilson, and the Capitals won the uh, Stanley Cup. So. I'm not ready to put him in that mold yet, but he's still young. Uh, definitely has the family uh, limit uh, lineage. Claude uh, Lemieux was something else. Um, and you know, Anthony D'Angelo, he's another guy. Um, it's not as hit-friendly as Lemieux. He's more with the mouth, but he's a very talented player, and they need defense, and he fits the mold of what's um, coming out nowadays um, with the uh, – offensive defenseman um i'd be shocked if he's not re-signed i know he's he's a restricted free agent like he doesn't have a lot of options i don't see them moving him they'll have the cap space to get by and then they'll really have the cap space when a lot of money is going to come up after next year between lundquist smith yeah. stall 
you know, they got, they'll have a lot of guys they got to sign too, but they're not going to make a lot of money. I could see D'Angelo getting a, a Sandheim kind of deal, like a, a two-year two deal. He'll probably get around four-ish million, um, but like a kind of a short-term show me that what you did this year, you can carry on, and, and then we'll we'll pony up at the back end of it. But if I'm the Rangers, I'm not ready to commit to a long, long-term deal. But I think two years to kind of uh, prove that he is what he showed this year, I, I think that's like, right in the wheelhouse of what he deserves. Um, and, I mean, if he got offered two at nine uh, for four and a half a year, I think that's a win for the Rangers, and I think it's a win for him, quite frankly. And I honestly think something like that's going to happen. And like you said, that just that gets them by, that gets them uh, a year to get that cap space, and then they start making moves. And oh, I just got to hope that the uh, – Train falls off the tracks, but things are looking good. And this this first overall pick that they really honestly should have never been anywhere near <laughs> definitely helps. Heavy. It looked a little heavy, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So I'm 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 we'll see what happens. But you know, for uh, for what we're looking at now, if you're a Rangers fan, you got a lot to be excited about, especially for the future, because this Absolutely. team did a, a decent amount this year. And they're going to get some significant talent in the near future. So they can put it together. Look out. Uh, hopefully it's just more battles for us. And we can go back to like the uh, mid to late nineties where we're playing them in the uh, Eastern conference finals. Wouldn't mind that. I'd be wouldn't okay with that. The, yeah. Wouldn't mind the same result either. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll move off from the uh, Rangers and their off season uh, rebuild and wherever you want to retool or whatever you want to call it. Uh, there was a big trade that went down with a, uh, in the Eastern conference and mainly with a Metro team. Um, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they traded center Evan Rodriguez, defensive prospect David Warskowski, and defensive prospect Felipe Hollander, as well as the 15th overall pick in this year's draft, to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Casper Kapanen, uh, as well as the rights to prospect uh, Pontus Ogberg, who's a winger, and defensive prospect Jesper Legrin. Um the initial reaction to this was that Pitt got hosed. So before I go any further, uh, Steve, your thoughts on this trade? So when I saw it go down, uh, I think I actually was sitting on the beach and I got the alert. Um, one, I didn't realize teams could even trade right now. Um, Same. So that was a little shocking. But I looked at the deal and I thought at first, I'm thinking, okay, the Leafs definitely need some cap relief. They're paying a lot of money to not a lot of players. Um, they could use the draft pick, but really, like, I think the cap or the the Maple Leafs really worked one over on them um, to get Hollander. Really, let's let's be honest. The trade was capping in for the first round pick and Hollander. The other players are kind of just toss ins to match the money and. I don't think any of those four players are really going to make any kind of impact on either of those teams. Um, but Hollander is a nice prospect. I don't know if he's much more than a depth center or a depth uh, forward. Probably most likely a third line guy. But on that Leafs roster, that's kind of what they need at this point. Um, I, I think he probably ends up after a year in the SHL next year. I think he's probably battling for the third line spot, center spot in 22-23 when he comes over. Um, but getting the first overall pick for, for or the 15th overall pick for Kapanen plus the player, I think the Maple Leafs made out like bandits in that deal. Um, I like Kapanen, nice player, but I don't know if he's going to ever be anything more than just a nice player. Uh Pittsburgh, it felt like a last grasp at a championship window, um, taking a guy that can help them immediately as opposed to the pick and Hollander who can't help them next year. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a short-sighted move for Pittsburgh, um, but I think it's them saying, we know our time is coming to an end. Let's see if we can get a guy that maybe has some upside to pair with Sid or Malkin and maybe make a little bit of magic happen. But um, I think the Maple Leafs get an A for that deal. The Penguins, you're looking at like a C plus, in my opinion, at this point uh, of the season. Before I try to make a case for Pittsburgh here, um, it was definitely strange that Pittsburgh's 
biggest weakness is defense, and they chose in this draft uh, to trade the 15th overall pick, which was pretty nice considering what they're saying about this first round of this draft uh, on a offensive player. I uh, did not see that happening. I I know that maybe teams aren't trading defensemen, but the playoffs haven't even ended yet. It's the second round, so they were awfully quick to make this deal. But and it's the echoes for both teams. But I guess if you're Toronto, you can't really, you know, <laughs> you get you, you're getting a first round pick and a prospect for Kapanen. So I guess you jump at it. Um, if I'm Pittsburgh, I probably wait. However, I think Pittsburgh was looking for three things in this deal: uh, younger faster and cheaper mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that uh, the financial side of this deal will benefit Pitt a little bit per cap friendly Kapanen has a heavily bonus laden contract uh the 2021 bonuses have already been paid out and it's about uh, roughly a million or so not that that really matters because the cap hit is still the same and i didn't exactly think pittsburgh was a team that was uh in need of money um maybe that's to help in 10 years when they're moving to kansas city um <laughs> Just to go over his cap and stats uh, to what I think is a little strange. He's got two more years left at 3.2 million. He's a right wing. Uh, he just turned 24 last month. He's six one at 192 pounds in 202 career games. He's got 41 goals and 49 assists for 90 points. And last this previous season, he has 13 goals, 23 assists, 36 points in 69 games. Where last year, where he was everybody's darling, in 78 games, he had 20 goals, 24 assists, and 44 points. Uh, I guess the thing that I am struggling to come to grasp with, and why I don't love the trade by any means for Pitt, is how Kapanen, in one season, in nine less games, he did score, what's that, eight less points, uh, seven less goals. Um, he went from everybody's darling to a career third-line uh winger player um at 24 years old i do find that very odd it's considering he played for toronto who that team as we all know is four highly paid players with some other guys added kapanen being one of them kapanen has size he has speed and he's very good in the penalty kill um he's also very young so while i don't love this trade for pitt I somewhat get it. I think they are going to put him with Crosby. Uh, I don't think he's going to play on the third line. I don't think he's even going to play with Malkin at first. I think they're going to attempt to put him with Crosby. One thing that the Penguins looked like, against, especially against Montreal, and this is odd to say, outside of Connor Sheary, they looked slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked small. And one thing I will say about Kapanen in his series against Columbus is he's the one guy that looked aggra- angry and aggravated that they were losing. I think this guy, when he comes to the rink, he gives you everything he has. Uh, I don't think he's the most skilled guy when you consider guys like, you know, Tavares and uh, Matthews. And he did, uh, listen, he did not take the next step to go from a top nine player to a top six player. He was 23 years old. I'm not, the jury's still out with me. Everybody else has already chalked him up, and I'm not ready to do that yet. There was a reason we liked the guy. One whole year has passed in a system with Toronto who has Dave Haxtell on the friggin' bench, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, they have no structure whatsoever. The defense has issues getting the puck out. Like, nothing with that team. They have all the talent in the world, and it just seems to be all over the place. Like, there's nothing structured. It's just, we're more talented than them. Go nuts. We're, we're going to score more no matter what and hope that our goalie gives up less. Yeah, I mean, and it's and you're gonna hate on this guy for, I mean, so it's, it's well, everything I'm saying is a reason why Pitt should have probably offered less, and it, which is odd. Well, if I break down, just Pitt added Casper Kapanen, and we'll see what happens with Hollander. He was a second round pick. He seems to be, you know, a decent prospect, but we've seen plenty of decent prospects taken in all sorts of rounds not pan out. Um, yeah, this this draft coming up is supposed to be as good as 2015. Well, as I alluded to earlier, Boston, the Boston Bruins had three picks in that draft and somehow didn't get Konechny or Barzil or, you know, I'm trying to think of who they were in range of. Um, there was a lot of good players taken in that range. Yeah, there were some solid guys. And all they came out with was, what, DeBrusque? I know they drafted like Zaboral and I can't even remember the other guy's name. 
Um, I don't know if they even have touched the NHL yet. Um, DeBrusque seems like the only one, and I don't think he's that good. It's not like he's, he's a nice stuff. player, but nothing, nothing crazy. I, I mean, think about everybody who went in that draft. Like Barzil was, he's the Islanders now. Konechny, we love Konechny, and even beforehand, like Proveroff, like. Rowinski, like these are some um, Ratnin, like these are some stud Richie players. Good players. Shabbat but went you, at eighteen. Yeah, went I mean, at 19. you you can still miss, and it's only one pick, and yeah, it's a nice pick, and I get value. Guys, don't pan out. We could be completely wrong about this draft. Um, so I'm not gonna like. This is the worst trade. I can't believe what Pittsburgh is doing, and like the overreacting is comical. Kapanen is an NHL player. He's made it to the NHL at, at a very young age. And he's, I think there's some untapped potential there. Uh, I think his PK play is underrated. Uh, I don't think it was fair that he was yo-yoed around from the left wing to right wing. He's not a good left wing. He has to play right wing. And when he does, he's better. He's not good at left wing. I've alluded to the coaching staff. Um, and, you know, it's a decent deal. And uh, the, his money, not the trade. And while I don't love the trade, and I, I overreacted at first because I thought they gave a first-round pick in 2022 because the way the trade was sent to me via uh, NHL. I, what, I don't know why they wouldn't just say the 15th overall pick. but Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of weird. Uh, yeah, you know, and then it gets cut off. But, you know, I, I don't, like you said, I don't like that it was Hollander and the 15th overall pick. And people could probably argue that the 15th overall pick by itself is a little much. Yeah, I would, get a I would say that. First-round pick for, you know— Rutherford has three Stanley Cups, and he also drafted this guy. So I'm I'm not ready to just like see something that I don't like and just write it off. You know, a lot of players have come to Pittsburgh. You really think Chris Kunitz is that good? No. I did. <laughs> I still don't. You know, but like if you put him a Crosby, I'm just saying there might be a, a day where we're like, whoa, you know. And it sucks because I don't want to hate Casper Kapan. I think that's what bothered me the most. Um, I also think Pittsburgh's not done wheeling and dealing. I think yeah, that the Rutherford makes, yeah, he makes uh, trades in bunches. And I think this is just part one. And um, as it goes on, we'll see what happens. They got, we'll see, they really lost some cap space in this. Not really much, but it's a young player. It, they have to push for now and yeah, try it, to stay exactly. young. Yeah. You know? I'll, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave it with this. Like what all that I think, I would much prefer the Leaf side, but I see what the Penguins are doing. You have two superstar players in Malk and Crosby, and then you've got um, a really good goalie tandem, depending on who you retain, um, along with Latang on the back end. You're, you're kind of hoping to make that push for another playoff run, and I totally understand it, and it might work out. At least you're taking a shot on a guy that brings a few different elements to the table. And you hope that with playing with Crosby, you can unlock some of that potential. But he also plays with some grit, which is is not a bad thing to add to your lineup either. Right. He he brings a lot to the table, more than most people expect. And I think I think he's going to play well under Sullivan, to be honest with you. Yeah, that wouldn't um, shock me at all. Yeah, and you know I'm not going to go. You know, he's, I'm not going to you know, put like thousand dollars that he's going to do something or anything <laughs> like that, and hope I hit big. But it was a lot to give up. I don't like it value-wise, but when you look at where Pittsburgh is, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to say offense or defense, what player could they dangle the 15th overall pick and make it work financially and and even keep him young? Who could they have acquired for that pick? Yeah. I'll even say the prospect, too. Who's going to give up a young defenseman for a second-rounder who's playing potentially well and an unknown asset at the 15th overall pick. Nobody's given up any defenseman. I don't think so young. either. Right. It's, a, it's a move. It, it's a play of opportunity. And my dislike for the deal is more on in terms of where I see the, where I see the Penguins um, than it is for the trade itself. Um, but yeah, you're not going to get a 24-year-old right wing that plays his type of game for less than that. So it's it, you're paying going rate while I think it was more than he's worth. That's what it's going to take to get a guy like that of, of his age and his salary in the NHL. So 
I think it's an overpayment, but I think it's the way the NHL is right now. I, I, I think that's kind of what you're going to have to pony up to get a guy of his, his caliber, age, and salary. Yeah, I mean, I think that Rutherford could have done a better job here. The prospect is what really like makes it hard to argue. But when I break it down and look at like, I understand why Pitt wanted younger, faster and somewhat cheaper. And I go to myself and uh, honestly, it should have been a move for defense. But when I break it down, I'm like, what player fits, checks all those boxes that you could acquire for a, the 15th overall pick and a prospect. And right. You look around the league. Nobody's given up any defensive prospect. That's somewhat good because defense is a premium. So you might as well forget defense. Uh, so then you go to forward and you, who is a young forward that you could acquire that could play for you immediately. That's fast and has grit um, that, you know, you can get for what you gave up. Cause it's, you're not giving up like the fifth overall pick. So you can't go, uh, you know, like uh, too, too high. Like some of these right. young studs, like a, I'm trying to think of somebody, but like, uh, you know, Brock Besser or something, cause I know his name's been dangled and you know, they might have yeah. people to, re- to bring him back, whatever. Like he's going to go for a ton, you know, oh, you, yeah, you're not getting it for totally this. So like what player are you, what you're based on what you're looking at moving, what player could you possibly acquire that checks all these boxes? And it's not very much at all. Now, did they handicap themselves by not waiting for the playoffs to finish? Possibly. Um, but at the same time, one, Rutherford drafted Kapanen, so you know he likes him. Mm-hmm. And two, what if he gets moved? And now you're you're, you're out another option. So yep. while everybody's so quick to kill this deal, I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to let it play out. I somewhat understand it. Rutherford could have definitely done a better job. But as you know me, Steve, if you want your guy. You go get him. Yep. Can't, and, I can't know, argue that one. You eat crow in the meantime, and <laughs> then you just you just weather the storm, let it happen, and see what happens. Now, as a Flyers fan, I hope this blows up in their face. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope Kaepernick falls off a you know falls off the tracks completely. But out of respect to his father, I maybe not. Maybe they just yeah leave. yeah. But um, you know, I'm not so quick to be like, oh, terrible trade, horrible. This team sucks, idiots. It never ponies. It never winds up that way. You know, it it just doesn't. We know how revisionist history has shown us. It's not the way this works. So uh, definitely a big blockbuster trade to talk about during the second round, which is very odd. Uh, I like talking about it. I like seeing it. Uh, Pittsburgh will probably be high on our list to uh, deep dive into because there are hated rivals. And uh, by the time we're grandparents, I'm sure we'll be talking about the, uh, Kansas City turkeys, but that's all right. That's neither here nor there. Um, Steve, that's all I got for it tonight as the Flyers are getting ready to start. Do you have anything yep. else? No, I'm just let's go Flyers. We're uh, about three minutes from puck drop. So uh, wow. hopefully next time we record, we're talking about a series victory. That's what I'm talking about, man. Um, good show. I think that's a wrap. Guys, thanks for listening. As always, please remember to like, favorite, and subscribe. Keep an eye out for all HW content. We've added like three writers to our site. And um, I liked our guy, Bryce. We just added him. He had a uh, uh, an article about Zamula. It was very good. I like that. So please check out our site. It's hwhockey.net. The Jim and Jim Show with Jim Dow. They just released another episode. Go into that with an open mind. <laughs> uh, we have shows such as ho- uh, Anything But Hockey with Kelly Hinkle, uh, Enforcer's Corner. That's with Kyle. This is our show here with Full Circle. You got the main show. Oh, and of course, The Bright Side with, um, oh God, what's his first name? I think it's Josh. Josh Bright. Um if you want some positivity in your life, that is the show for you. You'll Unfortunately, I can't give you too much of that. But it's a very good show, very good points, very good guests. And uh, their last two shows I listened to were very good. Please check those out. Um, and as always, I'm Jack underscore HW Radio. He's Steve. That is um, Ferrari underscore HW Radio. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, good, because I don't see it here, but I got it right anyway. Um, so with that, uh, Steve, real quick, prediction for tonight. I'm saying Flyers 4-2.
Nice. So as Jimmy alluded to on our show, the no team has scored four goals against the Islanders. That was until we beat them in overtime, scoring four goals to make it four to three. So you know what? Four sounds like a good number. I'm going to say four to one Flyers. Wow. I don't even believe it. I said it. I don't even believe it. So uh, I'm good, but I'm going with it. It, It's locked in. So with that, guys, we'll see you in uh, the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Plenty of content out and uh, that'll do it. 